Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Axiom podcast. Um, we're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing his ways as a community. Uh, we like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, so this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here at Axiom. For the, and if we haven't met before, I really hope that we get a chance to talk after service. Please come up to me and say hi. Um, I might try to find you and say hi to you as well. Uh, for those of you who do know me, um, no, I'm not growing a beard. I'm just lazy. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it becomes a very real thing in my life where I just decide I'm not going to shave. So that's just, uh, that's just one of those things. Uh, bear with me while in my facial hair. Um, we, uh, as, as you heard from Hannah, today we are in Eastertide season. What this time has been traditionally in the church is a time where we celebrate the resurrection and the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. It's typically celebrated for about 40 days and it's meant to commemorate the time between the resurrection and then the ascension of Jesus into heaven, uh, which we read later on about in the Gospels and in uh, Acts as well. And during this time, what's really interesting about pressing into the church calendar as we are in this way is it's a very disruptive thing to do in many ways. We're told that we live in America, that we live in the modern day in the 21st century, and we've got all these things that we need to be worried about and concerned about, et cetera, et cetera. And what the church calendar tells us is no, Jesus is the reality. That is what we orient our lives around. It rattles us loose from our rhythms of Americanism and places us firmly in the patterns of Jesus, in the time of Jesus. And so the reason why we want to press into this calendar time is so that we remind ourselves that the resurrection isn't something that happened. It is, has happened. It is happening. We are living in that reality here and now. And that is the way that Jesus is in our lives oftentimes, if we allow him to be, he is a disruptive presence. Maybe it's not a bad disruption, let's say it's a good disruption, but he is disruptive. And for those of us who've grown up in the church, we might be thinking to ourselves, well, how is, a per how is Jesus disruptive? That's just like, uh, it's, always, it's always kind of been there. Well, this morning I want to suggest to you that the things that you think you know the best can maybe be, uh, have the opportunity for being the most disruptive in your life. An example of this kind of came up this week for me. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the experience where you have had a person come up to you and you've never seen this person before. You're meeting them for the first time. Hi, my name is Eric. Nice to meet you. And then they just stare at you, and they're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like we, <laughs> and it takes you a minute to realize that you know this person. Now, if you've only met the person like once or twice, it's like, okay, it's not a big deal, of course. You know, we all meet lots of people all the time, right? But when it's somebody that you've known for a while and that you like should know and you do that, it's particularly rattling, okay? That person's maybe a little frustrated with you, but for myself, when I have that experience, I'm like, ugh. I never forget any of those moments, 
okay? I'm disrupted to say the least. I remember this last week this happened, a person that I've known pretty well for a while, um, they came up to me the other night and they said hi to me and I said, oh, hi, my name is Eric, it's nice to meet you. And they had that moment where they were like, yeah. In my defense, they had changed their hair color and so I only knew them as having one hair color. But the moment that I focused in and really focused in, uh, I think they're sitting right over there actually. <laughs> hi, Brooke. <laughs> I had that moment, I was like, oh no, oh my gosh, Brooke, hi. <laughs> and immediately I had a flood of flashbacks where that's happened previously in my life. Like when I was in high school, there was this football player. He was like a lineman and a really big, solid dude. I knew him really well, all right? We had been friends. Um, and then I hadn't seen him for like five years. I am sitting, doing something in a public area, like maybe drinking coffee or something. Um, and I'm working on my laptop computer. And this person comes up and taps me on the shoulder the stranger as far as I know, and they're like, I turn around, there's this tall, really skinny man standing in front of me, and no muscle on him at all, and I go, yeah? He goes, Eric. I'm like, why does this person know my name? I'm like, can I help you? I said it like that too, can I help you? I thought this was maybe a, I don't know, I don't know, and he goes, it's Paul, and I couldn't even, he was so different it took me like five seconds to like, you know that moment where the gears are like chicking in and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, oh my gosh, right? That happened so many years ago and it so disrupted me that I'll never forget the look on his face when he realized that I didn't recognize him, all right? In the same way, Brooke, I'll never forget that moment where I was like, I'll never forget who you are now, <laughs> right? It's like, but we get disrupted when we get complacent or when we think we know somebody, right? We thought we knew and then we didn't, right? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, we get blindsided by the fact that we just didn't quite see it, right? We didn't quite see the relationship, the connection. Sometimes there's something very uncanny about those moments, where we think we know an environment. For those of you who know me, you know that I like things like ghost stories and the paranormal. Part of what is so disruptive about those things is, again, you think you know what's going on. You think you recognize the world around you, right? You think you understand how things work and operate, and then you get disruptive. There's a story that I really like. Um, this didn't happen to me, but it's a true story. There were these guys, so basically there was a fellow who, he, he had, had been really well-loved in his community. People thought that he, like he had done a lot of really great things, and he was well-known, well-respected in this community that he was living in. He had a lot of friends, and suddenly, tragically, this person passed away. They, they died, which is, you know, I mean, as you would, you grieve over something like that. And so his friends, in the wake of that, a couple of them, they are discussing like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this thing happened to somebody who was so close to us. They're walking and they're talking about uh, this moment, this horrible thing that had happened. They clear, clearly cared about this guy. And as they're walking and talking and discussing this, you know, it's a public street, and so, you know, there's, there's a lot of people around, and people overhear stories, conversations, and a stranger comes up to them. 
starts talking to him, wants to know what exactly happened to this person. Not necessarily unusual. Maybe, you know, this was, this was pre-smartphones, okay? And so everybody wasn't buried in their, their thing like scrolling, right? And they started talking with the stranger, sharing a little bit about who, who their friend was, why they're so upset. One of the things that really kind of startled them is that a couple of their friends had started sharing the story that they... Had, they assumed it had to be a story. They were saying that they had seen their dead friend walking around, right? They'd been seeing specter, a ghost of this man. So the two friends, they couldn't believe that this could possibly be true. They were telling this friend about it. And they had a real, or this stranger about it, and then they had a really good conversation with the guy, and they said, hey, look, we're going to go grab some food. You want to come back? You want to come with us and get some food? And they sit down to eat together, and in that moment, when they sit down to eat, they have this moment of like, wait a minute, I recognize this person. They looked closely, said, oh my gosh! It was their dead friend sitting there with them. And just as soon as they recognized it, he was gone. Talk about disruptive. They didn't know what to make of it. They're sitting there thinking that they knew what the world was. They're thinking they knew this was a person that they were talking to they had never met before, and having that moment of recognition like I had had with, with Brooke and with my friend uh, Paul, you have this moment of realizing that this, isn't, this is somebody that you know. And they're disrupted by that moment. Now, there's another, there's another place where the story is told. It's actually in Luke 24. I'm going to go ahead and read that for you just so you get a little bit more context. Verse 13, now on the same day, two of them, that is disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. That is the death of their friend. As they talked and discussed these things, with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there, happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is, it is the third day since it all took place. In addition, some of the women, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who'd said he was alive. 
Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself? As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he, was, he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. See, I think this story reiterates that as people, we struggle to sometimes see what's really happening right in front of us. There's so much, for instance, that these two believe that they know about Jesus, that he is dead, for instance. They also know the story of the events leading up to his death, and they know what is happening right now. While they do acknowledge that some people think they see Jesus walking around, you know, we get a hint of disruption. What the disciples don't see first And foremost in the story is that Jesus is right in their midst, standing right before them. We read that, you know, they were made not to see, not to recognize him. Why? Is the point of the story that Jesus performs a magic act and goes, boop, oh, you didn't even know I was here. See ya. That'd be kind of weird. That was the whole point of the story. Jesus is being disruptive to the disciples' reality. Not just, I think, to play a joke on them. There's something very important happening in their framework here. We read what they know about Jesus. That he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. We read that in verse 19. And I think that that verse is key to us understanding what exactly Jesus is trying to do in order to disrupt the disciples and what they believe that they know about Jesus. Beyond the fact that they don't know that he's standing there, beyond the fact that they don't know that he is raised from the dead, the thing that they need to understand has to do with that verse exactly. We read in verse 25, he, that is Jesus, said to them, in response to their description of who Jesus was, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. See, the one thing that they think they know about Jesus that almost skates by us is that he was a prophet. But as we see here in verse 25, Jesus is not polite about his disruptive response. How foolish you are, he says to his friends, because they still, 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 after being with Jesus all this time, after listening to his words, his teachings, and even seeing his death, they still don't get it. Commentators, when reflecting on the road to Emmaus, have rightly noted that this moment is where it becomes crystal clear in the Gospel of Luke just that Jesus is not just another prophet and teacher, that Jesus himself does not see himself as just another prophet and teacher. Now, in verses 25 through 27, Jesus makes it clear that the whole sacred, the whole of the sacred text of the Jewish scripture has actually been about him. And this is not just a statement that you would make about some great prophet or teacher. Indeed, for those of you who are familiar with the sacred scripture of the Jewish people, and what Christians tend to call the Old Testament. This, these texts are about God himself. That for Jesus to say in this moment, that to teach the disciples, beginning with the Mo- Moses and all the prophets, and explain everything concerning himself and all of Scripture, Jesus has disrupted their reality in a pretty powerful way. It's notable that in the Gospel of Luke, God, Luke leads us gradually to this moment and hits us with it. There are supernatural things about Jesus, but you could just as easily say that about any kind of great leader. At the time, people said, you know, Caesar was the son of God. Jesus here, though, is saying that it's not just, he's not just a, he is the. All scripture points to Jesus and what he is in this moment for them. The disruption of Jesus is that he wants his disciples to see the truth. Not just that he is alive, but that he is God alive and with us, that he is in our midst. They need to recognize that they, aren't, that they haven't been actually seeing him, that they have been seeing him and not seeing him. They have looked into the face of Jesus without recognizing the God that is there. They're not seeing the whole him, the real him. 
And what is good? And what good is it if you see your resurrected friend but miss who your friend really is? You haven't resurrected the living, but you've resurrected a dead idea that you hold in your mind. Jesus is a living, vibrant truth, though, that will not be overlooked or ignored by his friends. He will not be a version of him. He will only be himself. And this Eastertide, I would, I would say that maybe the challenge here for ourselves as we continue to focus in on the resurrected reality of Jesus Christ is what are we perhaps failing to see in the person of Jesus? Where do we need to be disrupted by what we think we know about who Jesus is? What is our road to Emmaus? And where is Jesus standing right alongside us, asking us, who is this Jesus that you care so much about? And what is the thing that he is waiting to disrupt to help you recognize and see in who he is. And my encouragement to you, be let it happen. Over these next few weeks, let it happen. Let Jesus disrupt you, disrupt your rhythm of what you think you know. That's my invitation to you. Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, we thank you for the way that you come in and make yourself known. I pray for myself and for all my sisters and brothers here sitting in the room that we allow our hearts to be open to the possibilities of who you are and who you can be for us and with us. We lift it all up to you our life, everything. In your name, amen.